Well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, I thank you for tuning in to The Road to the Rise of Skywalker. I am your host, Thomas Manning, along with Austin Buzz Buzzard. Yes! We are here talking about Star Wars, you guessed it. We have just a little under a month away from The Rise of Skywalker, the conclusion to the 42-year Skywalker saga <laughs> that we've had coming along, and... uh We've talked about what have we talked about so far? We've talked about the prequel trilogy. Yeah. We have talked about the anthology films, Solo yes. and Rogue One. We have also talked about the Clone Wars television series and the movie. And last week we talked about the original trilogy, which kicked it off back in nineteen seventy seven and concluded in nineteen eighty three. Today we are here to talk about the sequel trilogy. So everybody knows the story that Lucasfilm had kind of been dead in the water for many years. Uh, other than, well, as far as live-action Star Wars goes, they had been producing some outstanding animated content, which we had talked about a few weeks ago with the Clone Wars. But uh, live-action films, it didn't look like we were ever going to get another one until, what was it, 2012? Disney steps in and buys Lucasfilm from George Lucas for like $4.6 billion. And the news comes out, there's going to be an entire new Star Wars trilogy. There's going to be some side projects. And... um, Buzz, just kind of walk me through, when you first heard about that, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, obviously, I was stoked, if you will, because um, that means more Star Wars, and I do enjoy me some Star Wars, so knowing that there was going to be more, and like they also said like some other side projects, game changer. Very exciting. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest. First off, I was a bit skeptical. I was like, well, is this... Uh, what is Disney going to, what direction are they going to take with these characters with uh, the storyline? And uh, I was a bit concerned. Is uh, Disney just going to kind of really dumb things down? I felt uh, that was a big concern of mine. And contrary to what many people have felt over the past few years, I actually really, really appreciate what Disney has done with the franchise. Uh, I mean, going into it, I thought that they were going to ruin it. But uh, I've come out on the other side just thoroughly appreciative of everything that they've given us so far, which a lot of other people in the fandom cannot say the same thing. It's just true. Um, There are people out there who are 100% against uh, Disney. Yeah, it's quite the phenomenon to uh, witness. But, uh, yeah, I've loved absolutely everything that – or I love to one extent or another everything that we've gotten so far, and it's just – Awesome knowing that this franchise, this incredible storage universe is in capable hands now. And it's just not sitting on a shelf collecting dust for years and years and years. And that we have this opportunity for new people to tell new stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, because I mean, obviously, like after the the prequel, or yeah, yeah, the prequel trilogy is like, all right, that's, it's done. Like the whole story's been told. And they are like, psych. Yeah. We're going to tell more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Yeah, so the first film we got in the sequel trilogy came in 2015, December of 2015, from director J.J. Abrams. It's titled Star Wars The Force Awakens. So it takes place 30 years after the end of Return of the Jedi, which was the ending to the original trilogy. And uh, now 30 years later, um, our characters, the beloved original trilogy characters, are... They're not quite doing so hot. So no. look, 
the first line, I believe, in the opening crawl is Luke Skywalker has vanished. And we come in and we're like, what? Uh-huh. Luke Skywalker, the hero of the original trilogy, the, the one of the most beloved characters in all of cinematic history, and he's vanished? He's gone? At, what? what? How are you going to tell this film, the story of this film, without him? And then you... And then they talk about General Leia Organa, and then you're like, "Wait, I thought she had got had she not gotten married to Han Solo? What's going on here? Or is their marriage having some difficulty?" And then you know Chewbacca's not even mentioned or anything. Yeah. And uh, so it just kind of opens up, and you're like, "Okay, they're going to take a really new direction here. They're not just going to hold our hands and." tell us recycled stories with the same characters they're gonna introduce us to a whole new uh breed of characters yeah it was really cool because like you got to see some of the like the the original but then it was also like kind of having them like push in like a new generation yeah it was like cool to see um how like it wasn't necessarily focused on them but it kind of was like the whole like overlying story obviously was about luke luke yeah yeah um but he wasn't there. Like the story was about him, but he, he was gone. Right. Right. Um, and so it was just cool to see like how they built the new characters up instead of focusing on the old ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of new characters, we have of course, Poe Dameron, who's the hotshot pilot. Uh, he's basically the Han Solo yeah. of the new trilogy, I guess you could say. Then we have Finn, who's the, Imperial defector who, or first order defector, I guess. Yeah. Who, yeah. Wait, wait, Get your terminology. Yeah, right. yeah, I know. I'm yeah. sorry. I was a little bit off there. Uh, I apologize. Fair weather fan. Hopefully our professor doesn't count off too many points for that. But, uh, yeah. so, yeah, we have, a, Finn is a really interesting character. How, first of all, he's like, okay, I just got to get away from here. I don't want to, I don't want to murder, I don't become another first order murderer. And he sees in that village on Jakku in the opening of the movie, just these innocent people being, um, really just wiped out by the first order and he's yeah. like well i don't want to do this so i gotta escape somehow so he's like all right poe i'm gonna help you escape and poe's like why are you doing this and he's like well because it's the right thing to do <laughs> and it's like well not necessarily because it's just the right thing to do but he wants to get out of there yeah but then over the course of this film and then the last jedi which we'll get into in a little bit finn really starts to uh examine things from a broader perspective and not just um from what benefits him the most um, he wants to do things that he wants to make decisions that will have the most positive impact on as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, definitely. It's cool to see him like, cause at first I was like, oh, he's like, obviously going to be like the guy that's like, Oh no, like I hate the first order. And he's gonna be like, Oh, like, oh he, we love him. Yeah, yeah. He hates the first order. Yeah. Um, but you could also like, it was cool to see how, like, especially in the last Jedi where like he saw both sides. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of it. Um, and then just like, you could just see how he's like, Oh, I, I, I know what I, like, I'm supposed to do. Like whatever helps the most people. Um, and you really see that from him in the last Jedi. Um, and a little bit in the force awakens cause he like chooses to go back to like where he started. Yeah. Yeah. He goes um, back to Starkiller base to help yeah. uh, put down the shields, even though he doesn't is, know how to yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. His goal was to get as far away from the first order as possible, but then he gets roped back in. He comes into contact with Han Solo, yeah. our space cowboy, yes. and uh, he's back in action. Well, speak, his introduction was just perfect. He oh, comes yeah. in, Chewie, 
we're home. We're home. Oh. And oh. just that was whew, gave me chills. Oh I mean, yeah. So even when I saw in the first trailer, that gave me chills. Then even when I saw it in the theater, I yeah. was like, Oh my like, goodness oh my, gracious, that's my boy Han. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I love the way Solo and Finn interacted with one another. Um, Finn's just so goofy and yeah. he's clumsy and bumbling and um, complete opposite of Solo, who's oh, just yeah. so cool suave. and suave and uh, just kind of seeing their uh, character interactions, seeing them, their personalities bounce off one another was, it was gold. It, yeah. was, it was funny, but it was also provided a way for Finn to grow as a character as mm-hmm. well. Because you got to see that like serious type of like business guy yeah, yeah, type of deal. Yeah. Um, so, of course, we all love Finn. We all love Poe Dameron, who's, uh, we kind of mentioned as the hot shot. And we, we thought, we thought Poe was dead, didn't we? Uh, about 30 minutes into The Force Awakens when him <laughs> and Finn crash into the Jakku Desert. Yeah. And, like, oh, uh, well, there it goes. There it goes. My guy. And then, of course, he, he pops back up a few hours or an hour or two later, and he is truly the best pilot in the galaxy. He's, some of his fancy flying maneuvers are a sight to behold. That's he's for sure. pretty, pretty good at it. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we talked about Finn, talked about Poe. But we haven't mentioned Ray yet, have we? We've not. Ray is essentially the Luke Skywalker of this new trilogy. And to some people that might be blasphemy, but hey, that's that's the route the storytellers are going and I've thoroughly enjoyed it so far. Oh yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um she's just kind of the uh the lone character the lone hero all alone on a desert planet. She's having to make do on her own and she doesn't even have an aunt and uncle to speak of. No. Uh she's Uncle Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Owen, Uncle Owen, Uncle Owen. has a bad motivator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say she's far more mature than Luke Skywalker ever was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's been living inside the wreckage of an Imperial Walker for years. Um, her parents left her behind with this really mean alien, Uncar Plutt or whatever. Left her, like, who knows? That was probably a decade or so ago. And uh, she spends her day scavenging the wreckage of old Star Destroyers and X-Wings from a battle at the end of the uh, Galactic Civil War 30 years earlier. And uh, she she's basically doing everything she can to make ends meet. And uh, then one day, Finn, she bumps into Finn. And yeah. uh, Finn and BB... Well, yeah, she, she bumps into BB-8 BB-8 yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. BB-8, who's had just... Post. He's got post... The plans from Poe, the map from Poe, yeah that the map to Luke Skywalker, supposedly. But, um, of course, Ray doesn't know anything about this conflict. No. Other than that, the First Order, the bad guys, and that maybe there's the Resistance seem like the good guys, but she doesn't know anything about the inner workings of it. Uh, and then she just stumbles upon this droid with this vital piece of intel. And um, she... Uh, that's, that's kind of the inciting incident. And she must make the decision when uh, she comes across this droid is she just going to leave it alone or is she going to take responsibility and that is when Finn enter- enters the picture mm-hmm. uh, because with Poe's jacket with Poe's jacket that that is yeah. a massive massively influential piece of the plot if he had not been wearing Poe's jacket then BB-8 probably would not have recognized him right and at first BB-8 thought he had stolen the jacket yeah but he then, not yeah. too happy with him he was not, but then 
Finn and BB-8 kind of have a little conversation. I don't know how how Finn is able to understand BB-8 and vice versa. I don't but, know how but, anybody's supposed to understand droids. I don't, or Chewbacca. Yeah. Like both of those are just very confusing. I've, I've never understood it, but hey, it's Star Wars. It's a galaxy far, far away. We're yeah. just going with it. Yeah. And uh, so that uh, I loved seeing Ray and Finn first meet up, and that's when they come across the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. The Millennium Falcon. The piece of junk. Oh, it's back. It's back after, uh, well, 30 years in universe, and uh, I think it had been 32 years since we last saw it on the big screen in Return of the Jedi. And it was just like one of the most majestic moments I've seen in a theater. It's just they're, you got Finn and Ray running across the desert, explosions all around them, stormtroopers firing at them, and they're like, uh, what about that ship? And Finn's like, well, that's a piece of junk. Or, no, Ray's like, that's a piece of junk. Yeah. And it hasn't then, like flown in years. Yeah, and it's like, we got to take that quad jumper. And uh, then quad jumper blows up. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess the piece of junk will do. And just pan to the Falcon and the crescendo of the mu- music. I think you've used that several times throughout these podcasts. Hey, well, the crescendo, is it's a fantastic word. It is. Uh, it is. Big fan of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Keep um, it up. Um, I have a pretty good vocabulary uh, from thesaurus.com. There you go. So apply. Uh, well, Jeff said so-so. Okay, well, well, we'll go We'll go with that. He, he's the professor, I guess. He's, the day he, he can use vinvicuous correctly in a sentence, I'll be very excited. Uh, I don't even know how to use that one correctly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. Are you going to work that one into the podcast? Or I not? just did. Boom. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I guess... One point extra credit for you, Buzz. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the character of Ray, um, she even still, even after she gets in the Millennium Falcon with Finn, her goal is, well, I have to get back to Jakku. i got to get back and find my parents. Yeah, like that's her whole yeah. mission yeah. is to yeah. like, figure out who parent, yeah. like, where her parents are. Yeah, and then uh, she kind of meets up with Han Solo, and he kind of, guides her along and helps her make the next step in her character arc and then the castle with Maz Kanata and I love Maz Kanata's speech to her it's like um, it's like your future or yeah I, I can't remember it exactly but it's basically like you, what's happened in the past doesn't impact you and has far less meaning than what's going to happen in the future for you something along those lines and uh i think that's basically the entire focus of ray's character is that she's been holding on for too long thinking about where does she come from what is her place in all of this uh why does she matter when in reality i don't think it not any of that really matters all yeah. that matters is that what she does with the chances and opportunities that have been given to her uh-huh. and how she takes advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. Is she just gonna um she just gonna kind of cower or is she going to make the bold step to stand up stand up for what's right and stand up for uh her friends and uh regardless of whether or not she has um you know, special lineage, special parents, it's she's her own person and she can make those yeah. decisions. Yeah. You have anything else to add about that? Not really. I'd say it's pretty solid sum yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think if there's one thing that 
a lot of people had a problem with in The Force Awakens, it was Starkiller Base. So basically, it's another Death Star. Yeah. It's a bigger, more powerful Death Star where, where they, instead of just massive space laser with kyber crystals that can blow up one planet, well, now they draw energy from a sun. Yeah. And they make a Death Star out of an entire planet, and it can destroy, well, like, dozens of planets, planets at one time. Yeah. And um, I thought it was, if they were going to do another Death Star, well, this was an interesting uh, variation on one. Mm-hmm. But um, it would have been nice to see some more kind of creativity instead of just another massive space laser. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, that is definitely eerily similar to, like, the original trilogy kind of like let's just have a giant thing blow up stuff and like yeah yeah oh, that's awesome yeah but we've seen that twice oh yeah yeah um and so it was kind of a bummer um they're just kind of like oh, hey we're gonna do this but make it bigger and like, yeah oh wow yeah. like that scene where they show like this was the death storm yeah and, and this, this is, is star killer star- <laughs> like, oh my goodness it's the same thing yeah yeah just bigger yeah. um I mean, that was kind of a bummer to see that, like that same plot type of deal. Um, but I think they did made it different. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to where you can where like that. I just, I've already seen that movie like a hundred times. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, I thought it worked. I thought yeah. It worked. Yeah. And uh, of course the villain from the new franchise, Kylo Ren, he's, we find out he is indeed the son of Han Solo and Leia Organa. And something happened. We don't know what, but um, he just kind of killed a bunch of Luke's students. He, he had been a protege of Luke at Luke's new Jedi Academy. But uh, something happened, and he just kind of... Snapped? Yeah, he, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I don't like my uncle anymore. I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm a head out, you know. I think that's exactly what he said, and uh, <laughs> and then he just goes deeper and deeper into this villain journey, and he wants to kind of model his appearance after his grandfather, Darth Vader. He's dressed yeah. in all black. He has his dark. Uh, he has a black helmet, and uh, we have. Is Jeff trying to get our attention for something? Oh, I think we're good. We're good. And um, he, we finally see at there's a certain point where he takes off his helmet and he seems to have a really special connection with Ray somehow or another. Yeah. And Adam Driver, he's just a gorgeous man, isn't he? <laughs> he, I mean, he definitely kills it. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had I wish I had a hair anything close to that. I'm, uh, I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. As you, you, you see are, right you now. Are, you are. You can't see the Bad podcast waves. joke. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that didn't work. But, uh, yeah. I hope but, you, somebody laughed out there. I'm sure somebody yeah. did. They, I hope, we hope they do. Somebody oh, say yeah. they have a, a new hope. A new hope. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> All right, over two. That didn't quite <laughs> okay. land either, but hey, it was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. But yeah, um, I really appreciate Kylo Ren's character. Uh, just seeing the conflict, and uh, he he just feel he is split in two basically mm-hmm. by his allegiances. Um, he still there's still part of him that loves his family, but uh, he f- definitely feels the pull to the light. Uh, you oh, have yeah. you have him basically speaking to the burn chart mask of his grandfather of Darth Vader and he's like I felt the pull to the light show me the way to the darkness and it's like 
that's oh. <laughs> okay. That's not what uh, I well, that's the, the opposite of what Ray feels. Yeah, Ray feels the pull to the darkness in some aspects. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's definitely she wants to be brought back to the light. So it's like an incredible juxtaposition, if you will, between the two of them. Yes. Um, just they're yin and yang, basically, um, black and white, ebony and ivory, whatever you want to say. Uh, I just love seeing them, uh, kind of their character arcs, complement one another. Oh, yeah. And seeing how each decision impacts the other. And that's even heading into... Uh, the Last Jedi, that is a crucial component of the Last Jedi oh, story. absolutely. Uh, where we have the Force connection, yeah. uh, the Force Skype, uh, Force <laughs> chat, anything along those lines, what are you going to call it? Where they can see each other very clearly, um, like as clear as in real life, but their surroundings are basically blank. Uh, all they see is like, all I see is you. That, that was a Kylie Ren line. And... Uh, you know, some people had a problem with that, but that I really loved that introduction to a new force power. Yeah, it was it was definitely awesome to see because it's like there for a second. You're like, are they like? Did they just like pop up together? And I was like, no, they're still yeah. where they are, but they just see each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the first time that happens, like Kylo Ren, his only goal is like, where's Luke? Like, I know you went to find Luke. Where are you? Right. And Ray's right. like, I. Not gonna tell you that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Can because you see, no, I just see you. Yeah, because at that point, after you know, the transition from the Force Awakens to the Last Jedi, it was the first Star Wars movie to basically not have a time jump. It was yeah. Force Awakens ended right after they'd blown up Star Killer Base, gone back home to the the Resistance base. Mm-hmm. Then they had the map to Luke Skywalker, and uh, they go. And, and Leia and Ray have that extremely long hug. Yeah, Leia, and that that was a bit of a controversy <laughs> because well, what about Chewbacca? Chewbacca didn't get to hug Leia, he did. but but Ray and Leia did, and even though that was the first time Ray and Leia met. But anyway, you know, J.J. Abrams has already said he's re- he regret he regrets that, yeah. and so at least kudos to him for owning up to it. But we can't all be perfect. It's okay. Uh, it's fine, JJ. Yeah, Just come yeah. to us next time. It's a, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. Hook you up. yeah. We'll give you some uh, screenwriting tips next time if you want us. Um, Anyway, so after the hug with Ray and Leia, Ray and Chewbacca aboard the Millennium Falcon and head off to through some obscure hyperspace lanes to Octo. It is the location of the first Jedi Temple ever in existence in the history of the galaxy. Yep. And um, then... They make their way up a cliff with this gorgeous John Williams score playing. I think it's called like Jedi Steps. It goes boom 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 boom. Okay, you know that one. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So then she just slowly makes her way up the steps and then finds Luke just standing out looking over the ocean with the hood on, and he's like, "Is this what you've been doing for all this time? Just kind of." Looking out, yeah, I mean... The ocean, it's his favorite thing to do. To each his own, man, but we kind of need you, so... He loves... That's probably because he loves the beach, but also hates sand. Well, no, it was his uh, daddy that hates sand. I'm sure his hatred transferred over, you know? uh, Yeah, that is is possible. Uh, Well, (laughs) we need to ask... I'll I'll hit up Mark Hamill on Twitter later and ask him about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But anyway, when Luke and Ray finally come face to face, she has his lightsaber, which she got from Maz Kanata back at the castle. And she's like, all right, here you go. We came light years and light years away, and we're here for you. We need you. And uh, she, it ends. That's when the Force Awakens ends. But then The Last Jedi picks up right there. Yeah. And takes the lightsaber, and he's like, nah. Just the old pulse. <laughs> throws it right over his shoulder. And you know what? A lot of Star Wars fans were actually offended by that. Yeah. And uh, thought that it was like an insult to them. Thought it was uh, the filmmakers like spitting on their beloved franchise, their beloved characters. But you know what? I loved it. I thought it worked. Uh, I thought, I, yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, this is completely going against what we would expect Luke to do, what we would expect them to do with the uh, screenwriting. And uh, if it's going to be that predictable, then what's the point of watching it? So they, yeah, so they make it as unpredictable as possible. Yeah. And N- nobody, I guarantee nobody thought that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. So even uh, as Luke and Ray kind of, have a bit of a longer conversation. He's like, well, what did you expect me to just come out there and face down the whole First Order with a laser sword or something? He's like, yes, which, that's exactly which, what we yeah, want you to yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> which, at some point, he that, that does happen in, to a, in a certain fashion, probably not the one they were thinking. But, hey, our ex- expectations were subverted, if you will. Man, as uh, vocabulary. Yeah, today. well, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing from... <laughs> yeah, Jeff disagrees once again. Uh, Convicuous. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the ex- the subversion of expectations, that's a big thing that uh, the director, Ryan Johnson, was he he was promoting. And other people were like, oh, he ruined Star Wars by subverting yeah. our expectations. We we just want our expectations to be satisfied. And it's like, what a loser. Well, isn't that kind of boring storytelling? Yeah. I mean. Have but, some fun with yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, if you didn't enjoy some of the things they did with Last Jedi, then. Hey, I'm really sorry. I wish you had enjoyed it, but uh, for the those of us that loved it, we loved it. Oh, yeah. We we loved so much about it, and um, the character of Luke making him kind of this uh, almost Gandalf type figure, I guess. I was thinking it was uh, like because he was kind of weird, yeah, and, like yeah. goofy. And I was like, this is kind of like Yoda. Well, yeah, he is definitely uh, the Star Wars in the universe comparison to Yoda. He's just this hermit living off alone on this island. And he's kind of grumpy, uh, probably not as humorous as Yoda, <laughs> no. but um, yeah. But um, the where the Gandalf comparison comes in is that he's just this kind of rundown old wizard, and uh, he has some displays of power that are truly magnificent. But other times he's just kind of really somber and uh, doesn't really want much to do with. Anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, does Jeff approve of that comparison? The Gandalf comparison? So, so. Okay. Well, you know. It's not Je- failing. Yeah. Jeff. It was not a thumbs down. <laughs> Jeff is a massive Lord of the Rings fan, so anytime we make a reference, we got to be really careful, especially when he's in the room. But, yeah. So, the character, I think this probably was one of Mark Hamill's best performances we've seen. Um, a lot of people weren't huge fans of his performance in the original trilogy, even though... I mean, even though the character was outstanding, maybe his performance was a little bit iffy here and there. But um, but this one, this was just a good performance all around. Oh, uh, yeah. Like I've heard people say, it's not just good; 
it's not just quote good for Star Wars. It's good just for film in general. Yeah, and um, just seeing his conflict and seeing his inner inner emotional turmoil, and that's when we find out why Kylo Ren turned on him. That Kylo Ren had already been going down the dark path until, uh, and then at this point, Luke kind of peered deep into his soul using some special force powers and saw saw his future. And he's like, well, i got to stop this right now. Ignites his lightsaber and then thinks, all right, I'm sorry, I feel bad. I can't, I'm not going to kill my nephew right here. But then his nephew wakes up and sees his uncle just standing over him with a lightsaber looking quite angry. And, <laughs> Very menacing. Yeah, and that's, that's just the final straw for Kylo. He's like, all right, I'm going to head out. You know, that's, <laughs> word for word. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he said. And so, yeah, brings down Luke's entire Jedi uh, Academy, basically. Um, takes a handful of Luke's students. We don't really know any more about them. Were they the Knights of Ren, perhaps, or, uh, who we're going to see in The Rise of Skywalker? Were they uh, just a group of other trainees that we're never going to see again? I don't know. But seeing that the perspective on both sides from Luke and Kylo, we saw both of them tell that story about how Kylo turned. And yeah. uh, that was really interesting to see. Everything is may not be what it seems because there's always another side of the story. And right. It's our, it's our responsibility to gather all viewpoints, all perspectives, and make, make our own make our own opinion about how we feel about it. And I think that's something that we can apply to any situation in life. Not yeah. ju- not just uh, you know watching Star Wars, but so many other realms of life. Like in real life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Star Wars has some really deep philosophical and social themes, uh, regardless of what some people might say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Then when you sit down, you're like, if you, th- if you start thinking about them, they make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Kylo Ren... Uh, his the last Jedi was it was very much it, so many different characters had their um, their development focused on the last Jedi, but I think the main three, of course, Kylo Ren, Ray, and Luke. But uh, talking more about the relationship of Kylo Ren and Ray, we had their their four Skype connections, which we find out at some point was. Uh, developed by Supreme Leader Snoke, who's this dark force user who we don't really know much about. We don't know where he came from, but they he has bridged their minds together across galaxies, across light years, and um, they they feel they each feel that they belong with each other, but their outlook on how they belong with each other is really different. Yeah. Kylo thinks Ray's going to turn to his side. Ray thinks Kylo is going to turn to her side. And then once we get to the outstanding throne room sequence awesome. in Supreme awesome. Leader Snoke's throne room, this was the very climax of the film. And uh, you have um, Snoke is a very close to killing Ray. He's been torturing her. But then he's like, all right, Kylo, it's your turn to finish it off. And complete your training basically into the uh become the son of darkness step into the point of no return even after he killed his father before uh i guess killing his 
girlfriend would be the real point of no return. Yeah. And not not really his girlfriend, but uh yeah, he his lady yeah, interest. I think he kind of has a crush on Ray, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um that climax where the music is just slowly building and building and building and, and Snoke, Snoke's talking talking yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, like going to do it. He's you're like, gonna be, yeah, yeah. You're going to be the baddest guy in the galaxy. Yeah, he's like you're going to turn the lightsaber true and uh kill your true enemy. And then at that point, Kylo just kind of snaps and the lightsaber ignites into his master. Yes. And uh, we have Snoke just, he looks a little bit uh, bewildered, if if I may say so. Uh, are you all right there, Buzz? Yeah, we, we okay. made it. Okay. I thought that would work, and then I realized Yeah, a little bit. But yes, he looked very, very surprised that yeah. he was wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if a lightsaber was stuck into my abdomen, that would I would probably look surprised as well. I mean, that's... Just, just a gander. I've never been in that situation, but that's probably how I'd feel. And definitely, um, definitely surprise. So, good, good yeah, one. yeah. And that's when we have the bum 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 bum, and Ray the the <laughs> lightsaber comes back to Ray, oh, and so uh, we have Ray and Kylo back to back fighting against the Praetorian guards. Supreme Leader Snoke's guards, and they're like, "Oh well, I guess we didn't do our job. Our master is kind of." <laughs> He's kind of on the floor there, but uh, split in half. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, poor guy. Uh, but um, that was an incredibly well directed action sequence in the throne room. Just beautiful production design and uh, the color balance and light balance, all the vivid reds and Kylo's the black of Kylo's costume. The Ray, uh, Ray is wearing gray, and but her blue lightsaber. And uh, just the bombastic sound design, if you will. Man, the, you're on uh, yeah, fire yeah, today. The, uh, the vibro blades and, of course, the lightsaber swinging all around. Explosions all around yeah. as uh, the, the throne room starting to burn down around them. And it's just a really gritty type lightsaber duel. It's not even a lightsaber duel because it's lightsabers versus vibro blades. But um, they... Uh, I'll, they're, they have to be very resourceful with their maneuvers. Yeah. And uh, they it's not really finesse exactly. It's just like, all right, we got to do whatever we can. Even um, like Kylo loses his lightsaber at some point, but then picks up a vibro blade. Yeah. Um, Ray gets, she gets a big gash in her arm from a vibro blade. And uh, they have to, they're split up. Then they have to work together. And then they're kind of split up again. And then at the end we have the uh, lightsaber throw that you were talking about oh. the other day. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah. You see, uh, Kyla needs some assistance. Yeah. Ray sees it. She tosses her lightsaber and he catches it and just yeah. turns it on and off real quick. Yeah, yeah. And then it just yeah. like it's essentially like a blaster. Yeah, a yeah. little uncivilized if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he just does it like right in the dude's face. Yeah, yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah, it looks like that. Uh, Praetorian guard had a. Rough, rough go of it there. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe we'll see him back. I mean, nobody's ever really dead in Star Wars. That's right. Who knows? That's right. Come back but, as a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see. But um, that, the choreography of that scene was outstanding. But then, Kylo and Ray, they have, uh, they have another breakup. They're like, Kylo's like, wait, I thought you were joining me. He's like, you're still holding on. And Ray's like, Ben, no. And I thought you were joining me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when uh, 
it's like another climax, basically. There are almost multiple climaxes, and in some films it wouldn't work, but in this one, it does. Yeah. And um, they're first pulling the lightsaber, and then that's when we had the Holdo maneuver, the hyperspace ramming from the Admiral Holdo, played by Laura Dern. And uh, she comes in there and uh, sacrifices herself to save the rest of the Resistance who are in fleeing ships over there and allow them to escape down to the uh, salt world, the mineral world of Crate. Crate. And uh, so Kylo wakes up, and he's like, all right, well, what happened? And then Hux comes in, Admiral Hux, and uh, he... Kylo kind of spins a little tail. He's like, well, Ray killed the Supreme Leader. And then... Because well, Hux was about to kill. Like, yeah, he was. About to kill Kylo. Kylo, yeah. He's like, all right, this, this is my time to shine. This is my opportunity now that uh, Supreme Leader's gone, now that uh, maybe I have a chance to take over myself. But anyway, they, Kylo and Hux, they kind of sort things out, and they're, they kind of both lie to one another. And uh, so Ray has escaped and we don't know where she is, but all we know is that Kylo and Hux and the rest of the First Order, they got to go down to Crate and figure out how in the world, or they got to figure out how we're going to wipe out the rest of the Resistance. It's like, this is it. This is going to be the final uh, final stand of the Resistance, and we're going to wipe them all out. But uh, right when things look the bleakest, something happens, doesn't it? Oh, yes, yeah, it does. Yeah. We have... Our old man, Luke Skywalker, just kind of shows up. He's going to face down the entire uh, First Order with a laser sword. Exactly like he said he was not going to do. Now he's like, you know what? Change my mind. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. And the John Williams track that plays when Luke is walking up, he goes, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's called the spark. Yeah, and it's like the last like like half of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spark. Oh, so yeah, good. Yeah, um, when he he there he is just walking out onto the battlefield, and all these massive Imperial walkers, probably hundreds of troopers running around, and they open fire on him. <laughs> I was and, open fire. Yeah, everything you've yeah, done, yeah. man. And. Uh, Nothing happens. <laughs> he hits he, him he, with the old shoulder wipe. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of walks out, brush the dust off his shoulder. Nothing. And uh, that's when I think anybody watching with an audience was like, whoa. What okay. just happened? Yeah. How yeah. did he? What? Yeah. And um, Those are the exact words that went through my mind. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. And um, the, the scene with that entire scene with him and Kylo, it's like their lightsabers don't clash once because there's a reason for that because Luke is, he's force-projecting himself. Another expansion to the Star Wars lore and mythology of the Force. And um, their lightsabers don't clash, but it's so incredibly engaging and compelling just because of the motion, the emotion between these two characters. Yeah. Because the history between Luke and Kylo, you know, Uncle Luke and nephew Kylo, or Ben Solo, and uh, they... Um, it's they both kind of hate each other's guts to a certain extent. Yeah. And Luke and Kylo's like, "What did you come back to save my soul?" Looks like, no, absolutely, not. yeah, yeah. And um, just uh, seeing this, this was probably the most selfless act of Luke's entire life, where 
he he knew that um, earlier he'd been reluctant that if he got involved, he thought that he would just make things worse. And this time, he he found a way to get involved without being um, physically in the flesh involved. Yeah. Because if, if, if he'd been there in the flesh, he probably would have been wiped out just uh, like that. He would have been waxed yeah, yeah. off the floor. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but because he's able to use his snazzy force projection powers, he um, – he is able to buy enough time to let the resistance find a way out of the tunnels. There's only, what, maybe two dozen of them remaining. Yeah. And they make their way out of the tunnels and the base, the secret resistance base. And uh, they've come to the back, and there's Ray using her... Playing with rocks. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I guess you could say. And uh, lifting some, lifting a few pebbles out of the air. (laughs) And so now the resistance can flee to the Millennium Falcon, while Luke's still out there just kind of playing games with little little Ben. The mental uh, game. Yeah, yeah, he is. And um, just the way that I loved the way the those shots were composed of just the beautiful colors of Crate. Yeah. Uh, well, you had the gorgeous sunset, but also the white and red of the planet surface mm-hmm. and uh, just the – the way the sun was shining on Luke and Kylo, and uh, it's actually my the background on my computer right now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 pretty incredible. I think the Last Jedi had some of the most gorgeous cinematography you'll ever see in a Star Wars film. Um, I mean, Star Wars films aren't always known for their you know shot composition as much as they are just for the incredible story, the incredible visual effects, and the incredible music. Yeah. But in this film. They actually focused on making it look gorgeous in every single frame, not just some of the more yeah. explosive sequences. So yeah. Um, but overall, the Last Jedi. I know a lot of people had some problems with it, but uh, I think, yeah, including Jeff. Jeff had a few problems. Well, he's the Leia Poppins. Well, yeah, yeah, Leia Poppins in space. That so, was that was really awkward. Yeah, I'm disappointed that that happened. Yeah, um, but it didn't ruin the movie. It didn't ruin it for me. Um, actually, I thought it was interesting that to show that she had those force powers that everybody had always wondered. Since she is the granddaughter, or no, the daughter of Darth Vader, she's got to have force powers. Brother Luke Skywalker, and that that's where we saw. Hey, she actually does. She survives being out in the vacuum of space for a little while. Um, makes her way back. Um, but I can see how that would rub some people the wrong way. And but I guess the only thing that really got me was like they had like a good way to like yeah. end her character. Yeah, she like actually died in real life. Yeah, like, but now she's yeah, still there. But right, not, but right, it, yeah. It, so that just kind of made it really awkward because like she's still alive, but she 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 actually died and yeah, yeah, really. really awkward situation there yeah but they are finding a way with some technical wizard wizardry Ooh. to bring her back for the rise of skywalker using some old uh old stock footage from the force awakens and the last jedi Interesting. and uh they're using some really incredible advanced cgi and digital effects to bring her back and with, with permission from her family of course which i think is really great yeah. that they're gonna be able to give her character a uh a proper send off. Mm-hmm. So uh the Rise of Skywalker is just over 
uh, or no, just under a month away. It's December 20th. We're recording this on November 26th. I think this podcast ran a little bit longer than we were thinking. But uh, I think we enjoyed talking Star Wars. And Buzz, you have probably have a class to get to shortly. I did. And, religion and world culture. Yeah, yeah. Woohoo. And Jeff wants us to get out of here. But uh, we had a wonderful, tired of us talking about we had a wonderful time just talking about Star Wars for about 45 minutes straight. And completely unstructured, segueing all over the place. But it, it was a blast. I hope you guys enjoyed as well. And thank you so much for listening. And uh, I forgot to do the hello there at the top of the podcast, but at the bottom, we're going to close it out with, I have spoken. Oh, oh.